1: Really thankful you're here, Conda, and uh, on behalf of uh, the network, Be Here Now Network, uh, it's a big welcome to you and Mirabai. And uh, I, uh, so I want to say that above all, Conda Mason is going to be doing a podcast, and it will be starting very soon. Where are we? In the middle of June. Well, we're hoping to get it going, what, in a couple of weeks, Conda maybe? Yeah. So uh, that's very exciting, and uh, Kanda knows a host of people that she'll be talking with and hanging out with. So um, what's it going to be called?
0: It's called the Brown Rice Hour. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a conversations at the intersection of land, race, money, culture, and spirit. Mm-hmm those are the conversations that I'm having right now. And so I was like, as long as I can, you know, stick with the conversations that I've been interested in, then I could do it. And uh, Hmm. and you all said, do your thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's the way it is for all of us and certainly the way it is for me when when I'm doing any of uh, the podcasts that I've been doing. It's gotta be something that I really feel interested in and I feel it's gonna, you know, educate myself as well as share back and forth, which is really what the podcasts are all about. So uh, I I, uh, I gave a little bit of a contextualization of what we'd be doing and what we'd be talking about here, Um, but I'm just looking around and going, okay, we're all feeling the combined weight of COVID, of racial injustice, of economic collapse in front of us, and How can we find the resilience to weather this storm? And you know, we've been doing things from love, serve, remember, uh, putting together a weekly newsletter that has each one of them has a core something from Ramdas, who has been dealing with all of this kind of thing for a long, long time. And so, the relevance of what uh, he said back then is is uh, amazing. How relevant it is for right now. So we've been doing that. And um, I think that uh, one of the things that's happening for me is just the the start of understanding. I, I have a little bit of a different background because I'm from Canada, which is – li- it is different than growing up in the United States to some degree. Uh, but – I am just, what's happening and what this is uncovering for me is looking, where's my shadows with all of this? How, do, how am I, uh, how am I un, uh, by virtue of just even you know, watching any of the events through social media or on television and seeing you know, my own reactions and, um, and then looking back into my own experiences of, uh, of any of the, the, the shadow that covers over the reality that we are so uncovered in right now. So uh, I don't know, uh, Kanda, just if you want to talk a little bit about um, the shadows that we relate with through uh, the spiritual work that we do, the work through mindfulness and so on and how that, um, how that can be a great advantage in looking at how we see uh, the fear from COVID, how we have felt about um, our interactions with black community, uh, and our fear of, of the economic collapse. How do we look at all these shadows in a profitable way?
0: <laughs> you know, um, shadows is an interesting frame. Um, So I mean, uh, underneath it all is a system that has been designed to do what it's doing. And one of the things that it's doing is um, keeping white people um, blind to the systemic nature of of the existence of white supremacy and privilege and it's designed I believe that it's really designed to do that so that um, it continues to hold itself up if you can't see it it's it's the most invisible it's like this invisible, um, ideology and frame that has the absolute most visible impact of of a privilege right of access of benefit something that's absolutely you, you know I, it's, it's interesting to me that you know most white people do not see the structure and yet they live a hundred percent from the benefit of this invisible shadow, I guess, right? Um, and and so one of the things that continues to happen is that we have these conversations on a person-to-person basis, which is necessary, you know, personal bigotry, personal racism. Um, and yet, as long as we keep it on a personal level, it's like the big Oz uh, behind Who's pulling all the levers? And we're not seeing that. And yet we're in this dialogue because then we're not doing anything about bringing down the system, which is what needs to happen. We need to dismantle. It needs to be dismantled. It is um, underneath all of it. And it goes back to, um, it, you know, it, it, it leads into all of our crises, honestly, which is this, this crisis of human, the way I see it, this crisis of human, um, this hierarchy. This hierarchical crises and 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 ideology and lens that we have the, our world view of 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 um, you know whether it's the global north over the global south or whether it's uh, you know gender based right male and female and who's on top. Um, whether it is racial, what we're talking about right now, whether it's just our species. I mean, if we look at the coronavirus and we think about what we've done to the, to the other mm-hmm. kingdoms and species and how we have dominated this planet, that tree outside my window, we have dominated. Um, you know, this whole mentality is is what is being pointed to. And that has created, I mean, it's the worldview, how we see the world is the world that we create, right? What we think is how we create it. And we have created this world um, of dominance, of hierarchy, of um, and, and the one that we're talking about and seeing in the streets right now is based on race, right? And which is a construct in the first place, which is something that even, you know, is a human construct, this whole concept of race. And yet the impact of it is so huge and so, so material that um, it's, there's no doubt that we have to look at it, deal with it, and, and do everything we can to eradicate it. This, this ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous notion of white supremacy and superiority and it is in the fabric of everything in every institution it is a structural issue that has been built into a, it when i think about the building you know we have never had an america that has lived up to the ideals that we that we talk about you know um there has never been equality and equal this has never happened at the same time as this country is being formed, you know, genocide of indigenous people and enslavement of African and all of it has, and then the richness, the absolute, and the economy, all of it is all tied together. All of this is led to the economic engine of the greatest country on earth on the backs of African millions and millions of accumulated hours of free labor, a free labor that allowed this place to be what it is. And so folks who feel like they can't um they can't see um the advantage and the structure that has been put in place really have to do a lot of homework really need to go back and really learn history and understand that even if you are a white person that did not grow up with wealth, even so there is is a place of privilege and advantage that you have had when there have been so many policies in place to prevent black folk from having land from having any kind of of wealth the whole redlining that that has happened that Mm. in, in our past there's so much that has happened that has prevented structurally prevented black people from achieving any kind of equality in the in this country and so you know it's a it's something that um it's just so prevalent it's like the air we breathe it's the water we drink you can't see it you know yeah. Um, and yet it is has this, the biggest impact than anything that exists. And so I think that what my biggest issue is with our community, and I talk about our community, I mean, there's many different communities we are a part of. And when I think about the spiritual community, the spiritual progressive community that is attracted to the Be Here Now podcast and network are this tendency of the spiritual bypass, the spiritual bypass that says, you know, that goes to the, we are one. Mm -hmm. It goes to, aren't we all one? And, and what you said earlier, um, I don't see race, um, um, you know, going to the universal and not looking at the relative and answering the issues of the relative world with a universal answer. And, um, and so, um, that is really, um, a perpetuation of racism, as a matter of fact, those who say I don't see color, I feel um, I have more fear of <laughs> than those that don't that than the, than the racist that is out there with the with you know, brandishing rifles and, and Confederate flags. I know who you are. I know you, I see you, you're showing me yourself with the Confederate flags and all that you're doing. But those who don't, who don't have those kinds of um, outward displays, who are your best friend and your people next door and the people in your, that you go to lunch with and your friends, who, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see race. It's like, first of all, it's a lie. <laughs> If you don't see me as a black woman, then I don't know what you're looking at. (laughs) Okay. So first it's a lie and it's a lie that wants to somehow obliterate race to obliterate oppression. That if I don't see it, then the oppression doesn't exist. It's like, let me cover my eyes. If I don't see it, then it can't exist. And, um, And so you can't partner with me to dismantle the system because you can't even take it in and acknowledge it. And so, um, those are the issues. I mean, I can go on and on, but those are the issues (laughs) and that's what I see. And that's what this community, um, has to really is in the face right now to address.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mirabai. yeah, we, um, the, this community and this uh, idea actually—I uh, didn't tell you, Mirabai, but Kanda and I talked oh, when we were thinking about setting this up. Mm-hmm. And she—I was so struck, Kanda, by what she said um, that white America. I mean, this is not your exact words, but close to it. Are living behind the veil, the veil of. Of not knowing and not wanting to know, the veil of privilege, you know, and this is what I meant by these shadows. That yeah. when you said that, I, you know, it pushed me inside myself to to see what's going on in you know in the in the core of my being around not addressing this, around you know having some platitudes about uh, my relationship with Black community, um, and um, the, the privilege you said the privilege of not knowing is now over and is it not right i mean yeah uh, i mean
0: the truth of the matter you know it's interesting I mean, because i um you know i i was i was with one of my um friends and teachers at spirit rock who i adore white woman teacher and we were having dinner one night it was i don't know, I don't know about five years ago and um and we were talking about all well, the race stuff that happens everywhere. And, and she mentioned to me how we really don't see it. She was like, you know, she lives in Marin County. She's like, how's that like, that white people really don't see it. Like, we don't know what's really going on. And I'm like, really? How is that possible? How is that really possible? And the truth is that when you... If you don't see it, then would you change places with a black person? Would you be treated like a black mm-hmm. person? Is, mm-hmm. Would you change places? Mm-hmm. And there's not a oh, white seen. person I know that would say yes to that. Uh-huh. Would you trade places? So Make if you way. say no, you wouldn't trade places. Then you know something. And what you know is very deep You know, and you don't want it, right? And so I think that, I really think that there's a cognitive dissonance that lives within the white American psyche because you know that there's something here. And you don't want to know, and you live a life accepting it you see you live a life accepting something that you know is wrong for a whole group of people yeah, yeah. you live a life accepting mm-hmm. it and you don't want to accept it because you're a good person and so you live this i mean i live that with um with when i think about um when i think about energy you know whenever i do something when I fly. Okay. I'm on planes. I used to be on planes a lot. Glad that's one benefit of COVID. When I fly, I'm constantly in this cognitive dissonance about, Oh God, you know, I'm really someone who's really, you know, living a green life and green footprint as much as possible. And here I am doing all this flying, you know, Mm. what, how do I, how do I rationalize that? Mm. You know, I rationalize it and go, well, mm -mm, I got to do that. You know, these are the things. So I I know it myself in in that regard. Right. And so what are the things around this race thing? Oh, I hope you didn't hear that. That you can, when you think about it, there's actually, there's a place. And that's where the shadow is. That's being, you're hiding.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Because you know. That there's something you mm-hmm. have to know the history of yeah. this country, and yet you live a life that just puts the veil there's the veil, and it's like that veil has got to go.
1: Yeah, it's our little happy place that yeah. veil is intact, and it's yeah. Because uh,
0: what would you do? What will you? I mean, what, what kind of person does it make you to know? that you've allowed this, that you've allowed it. Does that then now make you a bad person? Nobody wants to be a bad person, right? We want to be, we're good people and you are good people. You know, I'm sure you are good people. And there's that fear of, you know, it's like watching someone get abused next door. You know, you have next door neighbors where the husband is abusing the wife Mm. and you don't do anything about it. So, I mean, it's, it's that kind of a situation that I think that white yeah. people are right now looking at because of the state that our country is in. Yeah. And there's this discomfort, a big discomfort. It's like it's like the, the comfort zone is like coming to a close and you're in this discomfort zone.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Mirabai, you, you have a little bit of a different perspective, certainly from me. You have been doing this work oh. for a very long time and uh, i think it'd be um a good idea for you to share a little bit about how you've gone through and how you started doing this work and basically it's not just outer work but the inner work that you did to really come to an understanding in yourself uh, and uncovered all of these shadows well
2: first kind that's Framing it that way is so helpful. That you know, it's not being willing to see, bringing you know, uh, a what do we say, a veil or whatever it is. You know, I once realized that <laughs> it, if you're confronted by a brick wall or a veil, if you can't see what's on the other side, it doesn't really matter. So even if you only have a veil that keeping you from the truth. If you're not seeing it, it doesn't matter. So we, and since we're addressing the, quote, spiritual community, people who are, um, uh, people done a lot of of um, Vipassana mindfulness practice or uh, r- listen to Ram Dass's teachings, which the essence of is be here now. Yeah. It's all about seeing seeing what is seeing the truth seeing like allowing yourself to let go of prejudgments and and concepts and just seeing what's in front of you and um so this it in some way it's like kind of amazing that there's been so little seeing on this subject before but um this is a you know This is a spiritual practice, seeing what's happening and responding to it out of wisdom and compassion. Um, Anyhow, yeah, well, there's also that syndrome of, you know, how could you not see it? How could you not see that systems in this country are devised and sustained in a way that um, is unjust for black people and it does give privilege to white people. But so I was thinking back, I hadn't thought about this in years, but this week I've been thinking about a lot. But when I, I grew up in, in Manhattan and New Jersey and didn't have any black friends uh, till I was in college, I didn't have any friends, Any I had friends, I do not any black friends. Um, and I was in education and I did student teaching. It was in Pittsburgh. And I um, uh, student taught in a local Pittsburgh high school. It was all black. It was a technical high school, and this is what they were teaching them for a career: um, shoe repair. You know that was not being taught in the white schools at the time, and okay. I knew it too. And that, for me, that was just like. Yeah. You know, a veil got ripped away in that moment. Shoe repair. Um, So then years later, I was in graduate school, and I was in graduate school in 68 and 69 when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And the State University of New York, um, uh, no, the legislature in New York um, passed a law that said that the state university had to represent the demographics of New York State. So um, I was at Buffalo, that was the, you know, the largest part of the system. And they had the next year's freshman class had to uh, be, I guess, New York State at the time was like maybe 14% um, uh, African American. So, but the whole four years now had to be brought up to that. So it meant that the freshman class was over half students of color, mainly African American. And they didn't have an. They didn't put up enough money to recruit students from other places, so they were all from Buffalo. Buffalo had the worst schools. I mean, sorry if you're from Buffalo, but they had <laughs> really bad schools at the time. And the and and black students, there were never. They were never educated to think that they would go to college, so they didn't have any preparation at all, and they brought all these students. onto onto campus and there were no systems no plans no support for them like figuring out how to be in such a place and succeed the point wasn't just to bring them there the point was to help them succeed and graduate um anyhow i uh again i almost by chance i i became part of well, not by chance. I had like three black students in my class the year before. So I was considered an expert. So um, I was, so we started a program to educate, um, I mean, to support and prepare and, and find like culturally appropriate material and, um, and so on uh, for these students. The only black faculty member in the whole university was Archie Shep, great musician.
1: Oh, a musician. So they, wow.
2: you know. Um, uh, anyhow, this I, I've got to stop. But um, so then, a number of my students lived in the projects. They didn't have any space in which to do any studying, uh, and I so a number of them moved into my apartment. Um, and um, it was also the year that George Wallace ran for president. He came to Buffalo. There were drive-by white-on-black shootings. The younger brother of one of my students who was living with me then was shot and killed. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, what so, you, you know, what you're pointing to, Merabai, is just the structural and institutional yes. um, level of, and, and I'm gonna call it more than just racism. What we are dealing with right now, which is another layer is anti-Black is, is is anti-black, yeah. yeah, and and anti-blackness is um, is a very specific um, racism that has its roots in chattel slavery, that has its roots in the dehumanization of, of, of black people, the attempted of dehumanization of black people, um, and and to systematically, um, you know, to systematically prevent um, any kind of achievement. I mean, you look at these Black students, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, um, it's th- that is so prevalent. And, um, and that's now you're talking about the educational institution. So think about the educational institution. That's just one institution that exactly. we interface exactly. with, right? That is structurally designed so that Black children will not achieve. And then, you know, you wonder, and you look at the racial wealth gap. You look at all the all of the um, all of the manifestations of what structural and institutional racism creates, the world that it creates, and and then you talk about, um, you know, why black people haven't done this, that, and the other, um, as if, as if. There's been some kind of um, where we've been um, on the racetrack at the same place and starting from the same place. And, um, you know, it's interesting because one of the statistics that I have, and this was just a couple of years ago. So it's outdated now and it's worse. But the average um, wealth of a white family in America about three years ago oh, yeah. was one hundred and forty four thousand dollars. And the average wealth of a black family is 11. 144,000 average, 11, and Blacks are going yep. towards zero. And they're predicting that yeah. it's going to get to zero by by, by, um, uh, by 20, I think, 23, no, 2015, yeah. I'm sorry. That is going, no, I forget what year, but mm. that is going to go to zero. Now, I don't even know what zero looks like, zero wealth looks like, but because of the coronavirus and what is happening now, it's moving it quicker down that road. And so they, what was said at that time, when it was 142,000 average wealth of a white family, 11,000 average of a black family, that it would take if white folks didn't gain any more wealth, just stayed where they are, it would take 228 years for black wealth to catch up to white wealth mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. 228 years. If it stayed steady. That's the reality of this country. There are different worlds going on here.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, I like, uh, uh, do you want to do a generosity practice, everyone? Um, Michael Eric Dyson recommends personal reparations. Personal reparations. Start giving money to people you know, to to Black people you know. That's right. You know, give away that money that the that the feds just escaped everybody yeah, if you don't right. need it or question your need. Maybe you need it for something that you yeah. want, but yeah. maybe you don't really need it. I, yeah. It goes to the question, what's enough, right? Yeah. What's exactly.
0: enough. I mean, the economic, yeah. we looking at the violence in the street of, you know, the killing of George Floyd and all the other black folks that we've seen being murdered. Um, <coughs> that is, um, there's also economic violence. The economic violence against the black community is astounding. Yeah, yeah. And that is something that, as you just said, you know, resources have got to move. 228 years is not gonna happen. Yeah. What is going to change this? Underneath it all, even, I mean, there's other people that, uh, Tony Morrison talks about that. It. It's not about race. It's not even about race. It's all about capital. It's all about money. I mean, power. wasn't it all about Africans Certainly. being, yeah. being yeah. treated and and, and and slavery, enslavement? It was all about capital. And that um, that underlying, so we can't, that's why when I have my conversations, um, I'm having conversations <coughs> at the intersection of land, Race, money, and spirit. Because right isn't land one of the things that we use as a determinant of wealth in this country? And when mm-hmm. Black people's land has been taken in the nineteen twenties, Black folks accumul- accumulatively had uh, about eighteen million acres of land of farm. I'm talking about you know the forty acres and a mule never happened, when they still were able to accumulate land. A hundred about eighteen million acres of land aggregate today. 2 million and losing 30,000 acres a year, every year. We're losing 30,000 acres from a systemic play that is a collusion between banks, private sector, USDA, the government. I mean, it is just a um, land, race, money and spirit. Mm -hmm. That intersection right there is um worth having a conversation about yeah. and worth looking at
2: yeah uh, i remember that when i first learned to meditate with galanka and uh, sitting next to sharon and joseph and the others in this monastery um and then when i was with uh neem bobbin he told us to love everyone and serve everyone and and when we meditated and i saw oh it's about seeing things as they are, opening your heart, recognizing you're interconnected with everyone, and, uh, you know, uh, generosity, baby, like true, deep, full right. generosity. Right. Um, and, uh, and I remember I had been involved in the anti-war work and a lot of civil rights work before I got there. And so I thought, wow, this is so great. Now everybody's going to get it, right? And when we go back, um, they'll things will be different because I had marched in the 60s and things didn't change very much so um, and then we got back and I realized mm, it doesn't seem like everybody heard this the way I heard it you know? um, that and I realized that um, what we started out with saying like people have experience but they don't they don't get it they don't learn from it people that there is an isolation of without there being an intention except a, a systemic intention right. um, of that that white people can go through this their lives in this country without having to uh, see what's going on I mean not this week for most people but you know still some um, but education is so important and so what all, all of what you have been saying, kind of, is like I'm sure there are people listening who, you know, are, are just hearing it maybe for the first time. Um, for and, sure. And now there's really there's a lot. There's there are lots of ways now. This is a difference from you know from those years ago. There are. Yeah. I, I heard that you know the top. Not everybody learns from books. I know this now, even though I was a literature student. But um, uh, the, something like the top ten bestsellers right now, yeah. are books on race, um, and uh, and there are some really wonderful ones which we uh, we all our organizations are recommending. I recently um, been the, Jason Reynolds. You know who he is, kind of. He's a young guy um, from uh, Brooklyn. He's African American. He was named as the um, uh, like it's it's like a poet laureate for young people's um, mm-hmm. of poetry and fiction. Mm-hmm. And he's written a lot of young people stuff. And um, yeah. he just yeah. rewrote uh, Ibram Kendi's book um, yeah, for his yeah. the book originally written for grownups. Right. Um, He rewrote it for uh, young adults. It's so good. I'm recommending it to people because it's hard for people to absorb all of this. And he does it. The other thing I totally loved was Van Jones did this um, uh, town hall with Sesame Street the other day. Hmm. Um, I'm not infantilizing all of you. I'm just saying that. And there was a lot to be learned there. It was really great. They had little kids, um, uh, from across the country, uh, ask the questions, you know, why, like, you know, why, why, why do people say that, that people with brown skin are different from me? Why? Or vice versa if they were brown. <laughs> um, and then like the way little kids always say it isn't fair, you know, like <laughs> um, so, see
0: that's the thing that adults have known all along That's what I'm saying I go back to you know would you take change places? You know that it's not fair you know yes. that there's a, that there's a distinction you know it you you say you don't know it and you do know it yeah and you have the privilege to you know to not to choose not to live direct with direct impact. But you are receiving every day every day in every institution the benefit mm. and so it is a um, it's a situation where um, education is critical yeah. there's no doubt education is critical
1: as yeah. this as this happens and you know and some of the things that you were just saying Conda giving some facts and figures as that education happens and I'm you know I'm hearing it inside myself there's these are things, some of these things you just mentioned, I had never heard before, right? The, the, the level of, you know, the way of the discrepancy between what a family, uh, a black family and a white family, what's going on with losing land, you know, all of these, these kinds of facts, this kind of education, and there's an overwhelm that starts to happen for people that are getting suddenly realizing okay the veil has dropped off and you're willing to look which is what's happening and there's an overwhelm and you know part of the overwhelm is uh, is obviously fear in fear of the covid fear of you know losing your work and fear of uh, of uh, what's happening in in terms of the protests and and so on fear for your neighbors fear for uh, your your community which includes uh, black people So there's a kind of overwhelm that happens. And and that's why I started this whole thing off with the question about how do we find some resilience to be able to deal with this? You know, because if it gets too overwhelming, it shuts people down. down.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, so, you know, it's fear. Honestly, the veil that is being moved is people see it, it. the fear of unearned privilege that it was just given to you as you walked into yes. this, as you were born. It's, and even though, you know, you may have worked really hard for what you have and you can say, I've earned every penny of it. No, you didn't. <laughs> you just didn't because the plate is different. You're, you were born on a different in a different plate than I was born on. And so, yes, you've worked hard and it's unearned privilege. And so what happens, I think, is that white fear is, that, um, um, is to think about being equal or having the kind of treatment that Black people have been treated. Whatever you do, you don't want that. Mm. And so there's the fear of losing and being and and, and coming and being on the level of where where mm. where Black people are, and fear of 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 Black rage, of knowing that there's been a huge discrepancy for uh, you know and, and 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 terror. That's not we haven't even talked about this terror on our bodies on black bodies that has existed since since 1619 um there's so much there and this overwhelm you know and the shutdown over overwhelm it's like yeah it can be overwhelming i get that and allowing shutdown is again a privilege to shut down And it also feels like a mechanism to keep the status quo, even the shame that comes up, you know, and what that does. I find that to also be a way of let me, you know, shame comes up. So that now stops me from doing anything Mm -hmm. or fear comes up that stops me from doing it. It, Whatever it is, you, you still stay in that. Of, of the world that, that you live in. And so um, I just have to say that, you know, as a black woman growing up in America, with a very beautiful loving family and a family that told me that I could do anything I want to do, that I was smart, that I was beautiful, that I was, I was all these things. I was one of the lucky ones that came through a family that, uh, and my mother who's on the other side now, who was just the most precious being and instilled in us, you know, all of who we are, but that's not the story that black children get. They get that they are less than, and that they mm-hmm. don't have, and then it's reinforced by every system and and all of that. And so, you know, um, the idea of 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 being overwhelmed and not doing anything is again an out, as far as I'm concerned. And we have had to create a resiliency as Black people in America from the time I was born. Mm. Right. By all the things that my mother had to tell me and and that my family had to instill in me. Don't believe what they're telling you. Don't allow this. Don't allow that. This is who you really are. Okay. This is, you know, when I, and all the double living that I do uh, still is true. I mean, you know, going into a store and, and I am fully aware every store that I go in, especially now, like when you bring your own bags, you know, like it's a, it's a good thing to bring your own bags in stores. Right. And I live that way. I try to live as green as possible. And I am fully aware in every store I go to, when I have a bag that, who's, and I'm very deliberate to take things and put them so that anybody can always see what I'm doing. I live my life like that. Every time I go to the store, I live my life like that. So this is the thing, right? This is, this is, this is the thing. This is what it looks like in an everyday basis and someone who has been given the gift of, a, of, of the gift that I have of my life, you know? It is still an everyday existence for me and so those who have even less access than I do, I, it's just it's it's unbelievable. Mm. And so when I think about that, I just think that you know, as white people who feel the overwhelm, it's like, yeah, well, it's been pretty damn overwhelming over, and over this side for a long time, <laughs> you know. You know, it's like buckle up, <laughs> <You know? laughs> <That's good. laughs> buckle up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh that's what you actually you said to me at at the end of that conversation we had a couple of weeks ago after we talked about uh living behind the veil and it's the privilege of not knowing is gone and, and you ended it by saying um Stop the we-don't-know bullshit already, okay?
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's likely this white fragility that I hope you all are familiar with the book White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Exactly. The white fragility is just something that, have you read that, Bragu?
1: No, I have read not. Okay. okay,
0: assignment. assignment. Okay, sign assignment. it. Okay. Robin Everybody,
1: we're going to have DeAngelo. all that in the show notes, okay?
0: Right. Robin D'Angelo's book, *Racial right is an important piece of work. There's a lot of important pieces of work. My grandmother's hands is another yes. one by Resma. But what um, I can send you to is a website: E R E Education for Racial Equity. Education for Racial Equity. I, in full disclosure, I am a advisor to the to the executive director. And on the advisory board, and it's where Robin is doing her work through, it's where Resma is doing his work through. There's uh-huh. a lot of great work that's being done and workshops um, that um, you could take no matter where you are on the planet. And um, that's the kind of, and, and, and I just want to say one thing, and that is that this is a lifelong work. This is not, I've read a book. This is not, I have a black wife. This is not, I, I, none of that. This is a lifelong work that like what we've been doing in tandem with our, with our mindfulness work and, and it's, it's lifelong. And one thing leads to the other, to the other. And if you are someone who's concerned and staying in this concerned place, but not actually acting and educating yourself and letting go of resources and moving what you know you can do, then, you know, then you're still a part of the problem. Yeah. Bottom line, you're part of the problem. And so um, that's really how it how, 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 how it lands for me. I think that I would hope that the work that we're doing as mindfulness um, inspired people, community, that we're able to understand the depths of really what compassion is, that we're able to really understand what unity and what that oneness is, and that we're able to understand also the relative world that needs so much of us to do so much work, to dismantle, to absolutely dismantle the structural and our personal level of bias, implicit bias and racism And, you know, I'm just going to call it out, you know, all the good white people that you are so good. And yes, you still are racist because Mm -hmm. that is the water we drink. That is the air we breathe. And I know you hate that. I know you're probably going to say, (laughs) I'm not going to listen to her podcast. She just called (laughs) me a racist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is who, that's, it's it, it's it. And mm-hmm. it takes a whole lifetime to purge it. It takes a, so get started if you haven't. Yeah, you know, at least
2: at least one lifetime. I would at add. least at <laughs>
0: least exactly. Let's talk about lifetimes, man. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, you know, it is what it is, and 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 again, it's not your fault. We did not create it. Yes. We came into this world. Yeah. We did not create this, and yet yeah. you are responsible for dismantling it, though.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. I wanna underscore that it how that it it takes a lifetime. Is it you know, I mean, really, I'll be an example. So I started out when I was like nineteen or something, you know, had that the shoe repair awakening. And then, you know, all this time it's been so important to me in all the ways you can imagine. And and um huh. and I wanna add in terms of those of you who are educators, um, we did a lot of work inside the center for contemplative mind and society which is now the board is now um 50 or more i forget african-american and uh we've worked a lot around developing ways um that are that can bring the contemplative into making helping educate better uh, students of color and there's fabulous um webinars on that website uh, led by people of color, so I encourage you to go to org if you're an educator yes. or just interested. But um, also, I just want to say, so I've been like that was ten or fifteen years of my life doing that one. Um, that uh, and yet and yet and yet, there's still you know when I read White Fragility, um, I there were parts of it that you know I would have emphasized a little something more than less, uh, but when I read the statistics around leadership, the statistics around who controls all these different systems in our lives, including, uh, including, um, you know, of course, education, of course, healthcare, um, but entertainment, the whole range, that they're all like, you know, ninety-five percent led by white people, mostly white men, uh, the government, you know, uh, and everything. Um, everything. Yeah. And but there was something about reading that, and I realized, oh, all these years I'm I've been engaged in uh, work to for equity and inclusion. I had, and although it, it happened kind of anyhow, but I had not really paid enough attention to leadership. To it's not just important to have X number of. Uh, no. of, of African-American people in your organization or whatever you're doing leadership you know it's so it, that's power it, you're talking about power Maribai. Yes, that's where equity comes in people excuse me
0: but people talk about this DEI diversity equity and inclusion yeah. what yeah. people are doing is this diversity thing like oh let me add some people of color here or, yeah. Yeah. Here yeah. or whatever right and they still have no power they're not in power positions equity that is what equity is equity is sh- power sharing and power does not concede power very mm-hmm, easily mm-hmm. what has to happen is power sharing in every sector yeah all across the board it has to be power share and yeah. that is where equity is and that's when you mean talk about leadership because yeah you can you can you can sprinkle you know people of color in all kinds of positions but are they the chair of your board are they Part yes. of your board are they the ones with the <laughs> CEOs? Are they in the C-suite? Are they in leadership? Are they are they are they are yeah. they making yep. the decisions? Yes. Are they the decision makers? Yes. And so that is um, what equity is all about. So yeah, yeah. If if we don't have yeah. if, if equity is not the game that we're playing, then um, the rest of it is just, just brainwashing. Them. Yeah.
1: But look yeah. look at us though, Obama president, right? And then suddenly the antithesis of a human being becomes president.
0: I'm gonna tell you, if Donald Trump was a black man, oh my God. <laughs> I,
1: I, I have
2: often thought that. Oh my God. <laughs> we uh, had to have the pristine, uh, beautiful, uh, handsome, I know. most <laughs> perfect
0: black man to really? be the president. And we found <laughs> and, him. Right? He yeah. had to be all of that to be president. The bar for white men is so low. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> yeah, low. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So low.
2: Yeah.
0: So low. Yeah.
1: just unbelievable. But look, <laughs> Look at, oh my god. But the yeah, the, the karma though, there's a c- collective karma with this that <laughs> Ooh, this stands baby. out. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Boy, yeah. Well oh he's boy. just a
0: part of the psyche of of, of he's just yeah. represents he he's representative of who we are, of what America is on whether you you know he doesn't represent mm-hmm. you, he doesn't represent, but he is representing look at this, yeah. look at America. Look mm. at America.
2: But I do think things are changing a little
0: bit. Oh, uh, I'm I'm I am i did not think thrilled. this ten
2: days ago. But I am d-
0: thrilled at what's happening. I want those people to stay out in the streets forever.
2: I'm yeah. thrilled
0: at what well, is happening. Right uh, they now. might
2: because um uh, <laughs> it'll <well>.
0: eventually <laughs> wane. It will eventually <laughs> wane. But then what's underneath that? What structures are going to be put in place? Yeah, yeah. What
2: structures? Sure. Yeah. We have
0: to restructure. Absolutely. And so um, that's what's really an important step. But I believe in direct action is absolutely, I mean, there's a lot of impact they've already had. I never thought I'd yeah. see this. And uh, that when I look yeah. at the groups of people, these are mm-hmm. young white kids. These are yeah. black kids. Yep. These are black, they are these young people, not kids, sorry. those yeah. people are yeah, young yeah. People, But these young people are making me feel hopeful about the generations that are behind us, that might actually dismantle um, mean, what Mm -hmm. has been, you know, the biggest, most harmful institution in America, which is the institution of of racism and and its pervasiveness throughout everything and the Mm -hmm. anti-Blackness that has, we have been defined by, this country has been defined by. And so I know that, you know, Um, You know, it's hard to hear these things and it's important for us to hear and talk about it and to, um, and folks who are connected to the Be Here Now Network, um, who are people who are um, connected to their hearts. Um, I'm assuming, I'm just going to make a wonderful assumption that we're connected to our hearts. Let the heart break, happen, Mm. let it break. It needs to crack wide open yes. and break. Yes. It needs to break,
2: mm.
0: because once it's broken, mm. then as long as you keep hiding it from breaking, you're going to continue to perpetuate what we're seeing.
1: Mm.
0: So allow it to break.
1: Mm. And as Leonard Cohen said, the light then <laughs> can come in. The
0: light can mm-hmm. come in. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I want to say, you know, we've been talking, we talked about my initial thing around resilience and so on. And we've talked about education and so on. Um, we've talked about, uh, you know, getting through that veil, you know, looking at our shadows, getting through the veil of, uh, I don't know, anything, you know. And so education is, of course, extremely important. But I have to say, just sitting here with, with you this last hour... Uh, has been a, I, I can feel where l- really listening, deep listening, and allowing that to to uh, take hold in, in a really uh, deep place. And I think that that is just having the openness. And I do believe, yes, the people who are listening and to all of this, the different podcasts around consciousness on Be Here Now Network, and, and I do believe there is a big potential. You know, we've done this work for a long time, some of us, a shorter time, some of us, but we do have potential of open heart. And uh, and I, I think that a deep listening is a big part of resilience here. It is. Yeah. It's
0: letting it in. I mean, we talk about mindfulness, which is about, right, like really accepting what is. Yeah. And what we have done is just accepted what is in our little corner. And mm-hmm. block the rest mm-hmm. of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're uh yeah, we're at the end of our uh, chat here and I wanna really thank you, Conda and Mirabai, you know, this as I say, this this has been great, great for me, who is not who is very common amongst white people, who has not really addressed this until actually, thank God for our board Pushing to address this and creating trainings and so on and continuing to do that because that's been uh, uh, personally gratifying to be able to, um, to look way deeper inside myself where I was not looking. And what you said to me two weeks ago, that was it. Kinda. Okay. I don't even and know what I said. You said <laughs> enough already is basically what you said.
0: <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <Enough>. <laughs> Just yeah. cut
1: the
0: bullshit, right? Yeah, right. Uh, that was uh, it. Uh.
1: I didn't need hair anymore. Uh and everybody out there, um we will um, you know provide all of the links to the different books that we've been talking about and uh websites and websites. and of course yeah. uh and, and conda's going to be with us and you'll be able to you know as i said doing podcasts on be here now network and yeah. uh and yeah. i
0: also want to give resources for moving money okay Move money to black organizations yes to black yes. businesses black organizations that needs to happen we can't yes. get away with this you know this internal let me learn this stuff and then i still got the, I've, I've accumulated yeah, right. yeah. all this yeah. accumulation and it's still yeah. That is not yeah. going to work. Yeah, it's another bypass. That has bypass. got to change. That's yes. yeah, exactly right. Another so, bypass. You know, yeah. it's about moving your resources.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Personal good. reparations and 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 find somebody, find an organization, find. Yeah. There's tons of good people doing good work. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're
0: under resourced. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank important. you, thank you, thank you. All right. Again, thank you, everybody. We'll be <laughs> back. Uh, go to BeHereNowNetwork.com dot com and um, share in uh these wonderful podcasts
2: oh, thanks a lot thank you kanda was wonderful yeah, everybody to be it's good you. talking to you mm. good
0: talking to both of you
2: thank be well you. All,
0: mm. all right